Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Thanks for joining us on the Pilot's Advisor today. We're talking about common housing questions from retirees. Great topic on the program today. Walter Storholt here with Ryan Fleming, financial advisor at Retire Pilots, serving pilots and retirees worldwide. Based out of St. Louis, you can find us online at retirepilots.com. Check it out for great information to order your own retirement toolkit. Get a copy of The Pilot's Advisor, Ryan's book. Uh, He is the uh, author of that, Why Pilots Today Need Specific Financial Advice. Ryan, great to be with you. What's going on in your world? Good morning, Walter. I'm at home. Just got my kids sent off to school. And of course, Walter and I will always do the podcast early in the morning. I think Walter's an early, early riser. I'm most more most of, of the time. Person, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a night person. So half the time we're doing a podcast, I'm still sleeping. Oh, gotcha. Um, gotcha. However, however, today I did have my coffee already. I woke up at 530 with my wife, Carrie. She's working for the uh, the three-star admiral. The admiral. The, uh, admirals Ooh. don't actually have stars, but he's the three-star equivalent here at uh, Transcom at Scott Air Force Base. So she has to get up super early. So when I'm home, it gets me out of bed pretty early. That's pretty cool. And uh, glad to hear that you are a little bit more awake, perhaps, than usual today since you've had the good cup of coffee to start your day. So, Or or it's not like four in the morning and I'm in Japan and you're just like, I guess that doesn't work out. That's... I guess it'd be... It would be seven at night, and you would be here early yeah. in the morning. Usually, uh, you've had a very long flight when we go to record the shows, and you're and you're just you're just trying to keep those eyes peeled for a little bit longer to record a show. So, yeah, we're actually well, getting you bright eye and bushy ta- bushy tail. The exactly. Opposite of what and and, and, and full disclosure, there's been a couple of times where I'm trying to do the math on on the different time zones and everything else where. I uh, just got done with a long flight, and I am just whooped. And I talked to Walter and say, "Dude, I just don't have it today. I'm sorry." I, I I mess up the time zones all the time, just dealing with the couple that we have here in the states. Let alone then, you know, adding another what you know, uh, twenty one time zones across the rest of the world. So <laughs> no big well, deal. And I, and I say that to just say thank you for being so understanding at those times where I show up, and I'm just like, I just don't think I can get through this today. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. Although Although, you know what will make life a little bit easier? Now, I know I don't know how much traveling you do to, like, Arizona, Ryan, but I will be very glad if they do get rid of the whole daylight savings time deal so that we stop getting off track with Arizona. Because whenever I record with somebody in Arizona and the time changes, you know, they don't observe daylight savings time. So, you know, it just messes up recording times and trying to remember half the year they're on Pacific, you know, the equivalent of Pacific time, and then half the year they're on Mountain time, so... It becomes very it's just uh, confusing. I very confusing. Agree. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, let's talk about housing on today's show, Ryan. A uh, really important topic for a lot of retirees because, you know, for many of us, uh, the biggest asset perhaps we'll ever own or manage is our home. And so we want to get that part of the financial equation correct, especially in retirement. And it should take up a nice slice, I would imagine, uh, Ryan, of the conversation about retirement planning. 
And so on today's episode, we're going to cover some common housing questions from retirees, the questions they've probably asked you all the time, Ryan. Uh, and I think this will help us hit on an issue that, that most certainly, uh, at least one of these, is going to be on your mind as you listen to the show today. Uh, Ryan, I'm just so I'm not assuming 100% here, is housing pretty much a very common part of the retirement planning process and a, a conversation you're having all the time with people? Well, absolutely. And I think the conversation has drastically changed recently for many, many reasons. Number one, interest rates are so or have been so, so low for so long. You know, they're starting to creep up now, which is starting to change the conversation a little bit. But also with the massive uh, lack of supply with housing, people's houses are worth so much more. They're just going, it's going crazy. So it's it's actually a topic of conversation for many people nearing retirement. Hey, is this a great time to sell because it's such a seller's market? Or can I use so much of this equity for our retirement plan? And so, yes, right now and always really housing is a big, big uh, topic of conversation with your retirement income plan. Watching my parents go through this exact thing right now, in fact, with selling their home and um, the you know increase in value and how that'll help them in retirement, hopefully fingers crossed, and they're doing the whole sell the house and then rent for a little while before they retire. And then when they retire, they're moving out of state and going to live somewhere different. So going to be a fun kind of year and a half journey for them as they navigate all those waters here. Uh, so let's talk about interest rates since you brought that up to begin with. Now, they're still really low historically, even though we've seen them tick up a little bit recently. So a lot of the time you get the question, I imagine, Ryan, should I try to pay off the house quickly or pay as little as possible and you know use that extra money elsewhere? Well, Walter, I think that this conversation has really changed over the past couple of years because when, when interest rates are around five, six, seven percent, which is a little bit more historic where they've been, you know, you just want to you would want to pay off your house and maybe pay a little bit extra to, to kill some of that interest. However, with rates so low, I mean, they've been in 2.5, 3%, your money is so much better off leveraged somewhere else. And the way you ask that question is, can I take my money and do better than 2.5 or 3%? And the answer long term should be all day long. So I think the conversation has changed recently where people are putting as little down to buy a house and paying as little on their house. Because when you pay into it, you're locking it in at that 2.5 or 3% interest, where once you pay off a house or keep paying it down, that's kind of a dead asset. It can't really help you in that snowball effect, except for that house appreciating. And unless you have a home equity line of credit or something like that, you don't really have liquidity to get into that asset to help you with anything that comes up in life. The conversation being a little bit different nowadays is I would say, put as little down, don't pay off your house quickly and use your money elsewhere. Now, as interest rates are going to start climbing up, and especially this year where we're talking where the Fed's probably going to bump it four or five times, I think that conversation is going to start to change. But over the last few years, it's been a very different conversation. Yep, that's very, very true, Ryan. And uh, that'll be one that, you know, if you're listening to this episode a year after it was produced, maybe take that advice in topic one, you know, put it in the proper perspective, as Ryan's saying, as that interest rate goes up and up, maybe a different conversation down the line, depending on exactly where that tipping point is of rates balancing out, you know, sometime in the future. So we'll keep an eye on it and um, certainly consult your advisor with more questions about that. Uh, so another common housing question from retirees is, is it why? to downsize to a smaller home in retirement? Well, I think this, this question all depends on your situation. I mean, if you don't have to downsize and you want to stay in the house and have that you know, legacy for your children where they still get to come home and see the house that they grew up in, 
well, then, then do it. But is it wise? Does it make financial sense? Absolutely. Not only are you able to have a, a house that the utilities are going to be a lot less, but you in this seller's market, you probably take a huge tax-free capital gain because of the homestead exemption that you can put towards your retirement or to buy a house outright that's smaller. So it really depends on where you're going, what your plans are, what, you know, what your cash flow situation looks like. But from a, a, a standpoint of lowering your costs and lowering your monthly bills, absolutely it makes sense to downsize. That's a big one. And uh, I, I definitely have heard the conversation from some folks that like instead of downsizing, they just say, you know what, let's just stay in our current our current home where we, you know, grew, raised our family. And also, is it worth the hassle of moving right now with prices being so high everywhere? Maybe downsizing at least is being lowered in the importance spectrum for some people. Yeah. And I think what your parents are doing is very smart. They're selling in a crazy up market, you know, and, and realizing that gain now and they they have no problem with renting for a while and and you know I don't know if there's going to be a bubble I don't know if there's a real estate bubble but I things can't continue the way they are right now right and so if you have some flexibility and you have the ability to do that I think it's very very smart I actually uh, sold both of my houses in Charleston this year because it, the market is so out of control crazy I just can't I'm, I'm not saying it's going to drop but I I could see it plateauing for many, many years. You, you just couldn't not lock in those gains um, from, from the market yeah, being I mean, so crazy. One of, yeah. one of them was a homestead, you know, cause I lived in it two of the last five years and there's quite a big gain there. And, and, uh, and then I also look at it, the way I look at it is there's such an opportunity in the market right now with the market being down. I see probably one of the biggest opportunities we've had in a decade right now. And if I'm able to free up cash and buy in, with all these deals right now, I just think from a timing perspective, it, it was it was huge. If you've got questions about this, reach out to Ryan by calling or texting 843-475-3038 or go to retirepilots.com, pick up the retirement toolkit while you're there. Another common housing question from retirees, is a home equity line a good place to borrow money from for major purchases like home upgrades, new cars, or sizable medical bills? Well, I think having liquid security is always very, very important. Sadly, many pilots are living paycheck to paycheck. They make great money, but somehow they don't know where all their money goes. So if you don't have a taxable investment account that you can reach out to for major purchases, um, and you know, one of the problems with real estate is not being able to access that equity. So if you do have a home equity line set up, it's a great place to, to grab money, you know, to pay off for certain things because those interest rates are going to be a lot lower than doing a personal loan or trying to pull money from a 401k or one of your retirement accounts, which I don't, I just don't agree with, you know, robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, so I think a, a home equity line is, is a, another way to pull money for upgrades or new cars or, or medical bills. Um, but I also think having liquid security in other areas is, is a good thing as well. So you, it, it, your plan B really should be a more traditional emergency fund, like in a savings account, and then a, a home equity line type setup would be like the plan B of the plan B. Like the, well, your, your I, extra. I think, <laughs> I think that options are the best plan. You know, have a home equity line, but that doesn't mean you have to tap into it. Right. And I don't think once you have enough money set aside. Let's say you have a taxable account that has a couple hundred thousand dollars in it. I don't even think you need an emergency fund sitting in a savings account where you're losing, you know, two to seven percent right now, you know, with the way inflation is. I mean, we call that going broke very, very safely. 
Now, I understand if you're just trying to get out of credit card debt and you're trying to to set up and and not have you know have an emergency fund in case something happens. But for many of our pilots, this is the last job they'll ever have. It's a pretty secure job. What you really have to worry about, you know, something coming up with your medical, and I think that'd be the the bigger thing. But but having liquid security, whether that's in a savings account, a checking account, home equity line of credit, or a taxable investment account, having liquid security is definitely something that you should should plan for. Yeah, we opened up a uh, a HELOC just to have it in place, but not with the intention of really using it um, unless it's just absolutely necessary. So it's the, it, that's our plan, plan, you know, X, if we needed it to, uh, you know, help with some sort of unforeseen thing that the emergency fund couldn't handle. Exactly. Um, and, it, and it doesn't yeah. cost anything to have a HELOC out there. Right. Yeah. Like a couple hundred bucks to set it up and that's it. So then it's then it's just sitting there ready for you anytime you need it, which is helpful. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. Hey, if you're ready to have clarity and thrive in your retirement, you're in the right place. And I've got another resource for you to check out. Go to retirepilots.com. That's retirepilots.com. And look right there on the homepage, you'll be able to click Get My Free Toolkit. What this is going to do is help you get for free Ryan's Retirement Toolkit. This is going to include his two books, The Pilot's Advisor and Pilot's Retire Early, revealing the nine critical decisions when retiring and the seven lessons to save your retirement. If you're ready to retire early or engage the autopilot on your 401k, these are the books for you and this is the toolkit for you. Not only does it include the books, but lots of other goodies packed into this free toolkit that'll be sent to you ASAP. All you have to do is go to retirepilots.com. That's retirepilots.com. Click on the Send My Toolkit button, and we'll get it in the mail to you shortly. It's a great starting place for any pilot to begin their retirement journey. Go to retirepilots.com. Should I sign my house over to my kids so they can't force the sale of it down the road in order to pay for something like nursing home costs if I end up needing care? This one gets tricky, doesn't it? Yeah, this one's really tricky and probably a conversation offline for a different situation. The one thing I'll say about uh, issues like this is you're not going to do not try to trick the government. Do not try to cut Uncle Sam out of his money. He will find you. And you see situations where people are trying to sell their homes to their children for half of market value and and stuff like that. And and you're not going to win. Walter will come visit you in the the, uh, penitentiary, though. (laughs) <laughs> you're signing me up for that oh my goodness yeah you gotta you know they, they're gonna get their three squares a day there um but yeah you, i'm not gonna come visit I, I guess maybe we could host the podcast from there how about that <laughs> well and another thing and I'll, and I'll throw this out there with pilots there's a lot of pilots that are trying to live in a tax-free state but not really live there and i think that's one of those things where you're playing with fire you're supposed to be in that that house 50 percent out of the year but yet your kids live somewhere else. You have, you you know, it's you're playing with fire and it's just not worth it. That's a great point and something that a lot of people probably, I imagine, are uh, definitely pushing the limits of. And uh, so that's maybe a good warning. Uh, probably another topic. It's not necessarily specific to retirees in that regard, but uh, maybe many folks that are still in that that bracket uh, would be applicable here where they're, they're doing that dual living in two different places. Yeah, it yeah. might be a great show. And, you know, and nobody likes to pay taxes. I mean, let's be honest. No one likes to pay taxes. But if you could go back and, and research all the pilots that have been thrown in jail because of tax evasion or trying to start some business that 
didn't really matter buy land for a business that they don't, you know, to just trying to, to cut back on their taxes. Cause it is W2 income. Uh, we could write a whole book. And my advice to you would be just, just, you have W2 income. This is a pretty good life. I mean, we, we are talking about first world problems here. Make the right decision. That's a good point. Yep. You haven't probably haven't cut corners throughout, you know, a big chunk of your life to get where you are. So not the best to start now. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Ryan, talk a little bit more about your financial situation, about these housing questions, maybe how they play into your situation as well. Call or text 843-475-3038. Another area to ask questions about retirement and housing is what complications, if anything, could the house create when it comes to the estate plan? What do you have for this one, Walter? What do you think? Uh, I, yeah, I just uh, I would imagine, do you need to, like... Does the home need to be to be sold, or does somebody take over the care of the home? Uh, can you put in like particular wishes? What about taxes in the house? Seems like there could be a lot of different stems from that kind of question. Well, and I think I think, and I have a client going through this right now where her mom passed away, and uh, she happens to be over in Germany right now, and so just having your estate in order. It reminds me of that far side. I think it was a far side or some comic. And it was a, a son standing outside of a garage with his dad. And this garage is just packed full of, I mean, you can't even fit anything else in this garage. And the uh, the father's sitting there going, one day, son, this will all be yours. And, and I look at it as, you know, don't burden your children with your mess. You know, you might have an estate that's worth a couple million dollars. You might. But if it's not organized and it's not all set up and you don't have a good trust and you don't have all your beneficiary paperwork set, set or you don't have a, a life insurance plan, you're actually going to be burdening your children with your lack of planning. And so the one thing I would say about it is just make sure you have everything, you know, have all your eyes uh, dotted and your T's crossed so you're not leaving a burden for your children or your other beneficiaries. That's a good point, especially if you've got, uh, you know, multiple, if there are siblings involved. We've all heard the stories of how estate plans in general, but especially when it's housing situations, that can cause problems. I've seen that in various uh, sections of uh, my own family where in the past where, you know, a home that was left behind that maybe was also kind of the only thing that was, you know, uh, this is a weird term, so don't take this the wrong way, but the only thing that was worth fighting for that was left behind I just am not grasping a better term at the moment. Uh, that was what it is. They start fights. One person but wants to sell it. One person wants to keep it. I mean, it's fights, yeah. and it and it ruins families. Yep, and I, I've seen firsthand that kind of damage that can occur from that. Unfortunately, uh, last but not least, let's get into this one, Ryan. Um, we all have seen the ads over the years and heard about them. Reverse mortgages. Are they, I feel like this is in the same category of annuity, like it's a bad word, but also some people will swear by it. Some people will say it's the scourge of the earth. Where do you stand on reverse mortgages for retirees? I think it's, a, it's an option, but you definitely need to do your homework. Um, it's like an annuity. I don't think annuities are good for 97% of the population, but there are times where, you know, your house is an asset. You don't want to lose the house. You don't want to move. But the house is paid off. There's other ways to to uh, draw the equity from a house. So I, I would say do your homework. Um, however, you know who, who's the latest that's on TV now that's promoting reverse mortgages? I mean, he's got a nice mustache. Is that the? Is it Wil Wilford Bremley? Is he still? 
No, come on. No, come on. I thought you'd know this one for sure. That's why I was, I was setting you up. I was teeing you up. I, I don't watch commercials anymore. That's the only, used the only to, problem. He used to drive around in a, a red convertible on oh, a man. certain show. Red convertible on a certain show. You're, you're getting me. Okay, hold on. We're gonna have, we're, we'll have to oh, Tom, Tom Selleck. There you go. <laughs> Is he, so he, he's, the, he's the reverse mortgage guy now? Oh, yeah. Have you oh, not? Okay. I mean, I hate to make it sound like I watch TV all the time, but he is out there like every five minutes now talking about reverse mortgages and how, how he used to not believe in them, but now he, he knows you know that they're helping people and all this stuff. Yep. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of... Um... It's always been somebody with a mustache talking about the reverse mortgages, right? Well, I never liked reverse mortgages, but now that Tom Selleck's selling them, I mean, hell, I'm all in. If if Tom's on board, then then we're on board. Okay. Good. I mean, the only, the only thing that get get better than that is the Hoff, the Hasselhoff. You there know, you if he's talking about reverse mortgages, all in. I'm sure he is. Just maybe in Germany, right? Something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, so it's interesting. Reverse mortgages. It sounds like you're saying, hey. It's not like, oh, just grasp onto this as it's the silver bullet for your retirement plan. But if it gives you more options, let's keep it in our back pocket. Kind of like the HELOC, kind of like some of the other things we've talked about. Keep your options open. Um, it's, it's never a bad thing to have options. So that's a, it's a great way to view a lot of these conversations. That's fantastic. Yeah, and there's, there's many ways to skin a cat, you know, or I don't know if that should be saying that. But I think my dad used to say something like that. Yeah, PETA says you shouldn't say that anymore. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago, they came out with like alternatives for common phrases. They wanted to say, like, have alternatives for like beating a dead horse or skin a cat and those kinds of things. They they were like, no, let's let's do some. Let's do let's do a show on that. That sounds like fun. I mean, yeah. our podcasts don't have to be about finances, really. We could just have fun. Sure. And I think we should do a do a show on how the the more politically correct way to say sayings we've been saying for the past 50 years. Yeah, here's here's I'll bring it up real quick. Here's the uh here's the PETA wanting to change the labels of certain things. So instead of beat a dead horse, it was uh they they suggested let's change it to feed a fed horse. Um <laughs> instead of kill two birds with one stone, let's feed two birds with one scone, which was kind of funny. So you're, you're more politically correct than I am. Here, I want to read you something that I saw the other day that I thought was funny. You ready? Okay, go ahead. We live in a time where intelligent people are being silenced so that stupid people won't be offended. Hmm. I like that. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny because it's kind of true. Yeah, I like that. This one was my favorite. Instead of bring home the bacon, since this one's financial, we'll, we'll end it on this one. Instead of bringing home the bacon, you got to change that, Ryan. But the alternative isn't too bad. You're just going to bring home the bagels. That's what? it. Yeah, bring home the bagels. What's wrong with bacon anyway? Well, I mean, it's pita, so they don't, you know, bacon <laughs> means dead animals. So they're like, bring home, well, bring my, home the bagels. My bagel. poor daughter, because my, my wife's a vegetarian, and so my daughter growing up has always been, you know, I guess, uh, vigilant of what she's eating. And she'd be like, is, Mom, what is this pig? What is this? You know, and I don't know. It's just kind of funny how how the conversations have gone in our house over the years. Yep, yep. Uh, it's uh, it's just funny. The uh, I just love the different suggestions of the uh, changing changing the phrases. Instead of be the guinea pig, I should have ended it on the bacon and bagels one, but I got to throw out the last one here. Instead of be the guinea pig, we're gonna be the test tube. Uh, that one I I don't like. That one just that one just sounds really weird. 
I got nothing. I'm going to be the test tube for this uh, experience. We're going to have some very fun shows in the future. Oh, my goodness. It's going to get dangerous, folks. Uh, Well, it's just great to get this housing guidance from you, Ryan. Good thoughts on all these questions. They're common. So if you're thinking about something like this, maybe we didn't cover specifically your question or you want to go into, you know, exactly what your situation looks like. Give Ryan a call or shoot him a text. Have a conversation about it. 843-475-3038. He can review your financial plan and talk to you about how to structure it properly in the future and beyond. 843-475-3038 or go online to retirepilots.com. And we'll put the contact info in the description of today's show. Before we wrap up, we'll have a little bit more loose fun. Time to get to know Ryan a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. What age, if you could just snap your fingers and make this happen, do you wish you could permanently be? Well, I guess I'd have to think about this, but right now off the top of my head, I would like to be nine years old. And the reason why I say that. okay. Nine, yes. Um, We moved into a new neighborhood out here by Scott Air Force Base, and my son literally comes home, drops his bag, and he's back out the door running around the neighborhood with all the neighborhood kids, you know, going down to the creek, playing basketball, playing baseball, riding bikes, doing whatever they would do. And it kind of reminds me of my childhood back back when you could just let the kids go and run and not worry about where they are. Um, Because we kind of have this neighborhood that's kind of cut off from everything else, so we don't worry. And so watching where he's at right now, where he doesn't come back until dusk with mud all over his face and he's sweating, and I don't even know all the places he's been, I think nine's a perfect age. That's pretty cool. Not a bad answer. I'd probably go with uh, 17 or 18. Uh, I had a really good junior and senior year of of high school and just really enjoyed those two years. So uh, I, I would be okay locking that in. It's a hard answer to a hard question to answer because I don't know you you can have pluses and minuses of all of those ages, but well, absolutely. I think about my junior senior year in high school and it was fantastic. I have great memories of that. Of course, there was a lot of stresses on your plate about you know college and what's next. Mm, where true. you know the nine year old boy that's coming in my my door right now, he doesn't have a care in the world. Yeah, that's true. If we could all tr- at least experience that again for even just a little while, if you could bottle up that feeling and uh, sell it to people, you'd be a very rich man (laughs) because something you can't really get back, right? Once you get these worries on your mind, even if you're a pretty calm person, they're still going to be there because that's just how life works. So yeah, if you could capture and bottle that up, that'd be pretty cool. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We'll talk to you next time right back here on The Pilot's Advisor. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.